Hello, and welcome to the Timeline of Classics podcast. You're listening to episode 14. I'm your host, Gail Ledbetter, wife of a fun-loving fisherman, mother of four grown, incredible kids, recent United States Air Force wing mom, and accidental author of Timeline of Classics, Historical Context for the Good and Great Books. If you've ever wished for a better way to learn, love, and teach history, then please stay tuned. Today's special guest is a master at making history come alive. If you missed episode 13, you'll want to rewind and start where I began with my conversation with Jim Hodges. It's my goal to help you fall in love with literature, connect with history, and be able to think deeply about the good and great books. So, classroom teachers, classical educators, and teaching parents with kiddos snuggled on the sofa, this is for you. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, There are 850,000 volumes at the Imperial Library at Paris. If a man were to read industriously from dawn to dark for 60 years, he would die in the first alcove. Well, that is not our purpose here, and that is certainly not necessary. Let us help you choose wisely from the countless and even sometimes scary stacks at the library. Our resource, Timeline of Classics, was created to help you make sense of world history through the literature of the ages. Getting a literary education is easier than you might think. So stick around. If you haven't already done so, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the Timeline of Classics podcast. Let's get busy with today's episode. Well, um, I have a, a loaded question for you. <laughs> you know, I told okay. you I had one that just came up this week. Um, I uh, had the opportunity to meet with the board of a uh, recently established um let's see i think they call it they're a, a classical christian school um, in our area they've been in existence i believe for a couple of years but they're growing so much um, they are actually a, a university model school so um, that would be i guess considered a hybrid school where you know they really do have teachers that you know teach the content um, and they, they come in two or three days a week, I believe. But then, you know, the families at home are <clears throat> finishing, you know, the homework and, you know, making sure everything's done. Okay. So, so, Got it. so their question, the reason they uh, had a question for me was they are at a point where they're growing past elementary age students and they're having to develop a history curriculum for you know middle school and going forward and my answer to them hands down you can imagine what i said you know oh yeah sure definitely there's no no question you should you know kill two birds with one stone and do 
you know, history and literature and composition. Yes. It, I mean, you can just weave it all together and just, you know, to me, there there was no no doubt that that's, that's how you would go about it. But I was just right. wondering, have you run into any school uh, schools in your work? Um, I don't know if you consult with schools or anything of that nature. If or or if you have an opinion, am I on the right track with this, or did I tell them wrong? <laughs> oh mean, no, 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 no. I I'm you know there's a lot of great history curricula out there. There there really are. Not grass. Um, mystery of history, uh, and I don't mean to exclude anybody. Those are just the two mm-hmm. that just come off the top of my head. There's great history curricula out there. For, and, you know, a textbook is a great thing. It's nice and organized. It's got chapters and, and, and you know, you march through history. And I uh, that that's a great way to learn history. I'm not I would never, never uh, denigrate that in any way. Mm-hmm. Personally. I I love to learn history. My love for history. Genesis was historical fiction. I remember reading um, a series of books on the American Revolutionary Era during my high school years. I graduated in 1976, which was the bicentennial. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there yeah. was John Jake. John Jakes, I think, was the author, and he wrote a bunch of stories. And I read that whole series. It was like, oh my gosh, I these are these. This is what a great way to learn history. And then, as an adult, I read. Leon Uris books. Uh, he was a very popular author at that same in that same time frame. Although I didn't start reading him till I was about thirty, and it was all historical fiction, and I was just captivated by his way of telling history through fictional characters. Uh, I, I, I think if you want to get people really, really interested in history, kind of naturally. A, the best way to start, at least for me, was through historical fiction. It was not through a textbook. It just wasn't. Find books about people living in the time periods that you want to learn about. And if the author does a great job, you will learn about the geography. You will learn about their agricultural. You will learn about their culture, their dress, their food, their religion, because it's just part and parcel of the fictional character's life. And so they're, you, now, you, now the kids get to kind of enter into that person and live during that time frame. And that's a much, much, to me, a more immersive way. And I think that it resonates with your spirit and your soul in a, in a way that a, a chronological telling of history textbook cannot. Well, <laughs> I, I have to say over, over the times time that we've homeschooled which has been over 20 years now I'm, I'm done with my kids now uh, my youngest two are in college now but it to me the stories that I've heard over and over and over from from other moms other families other co-op um, situations that I've been with that I've taught in or you know just had families it, it was exactly what you just said we all experienced the very same thing that our kids learned far more from 
a, a character, you know, in a story, if they can identify with that character in that story and they can um, make a life decision based on something they know, um, uh, you know, that would come back to mind, uh, as you were saying earlier, if they can watch someone else in a story react in a certain way and have a, a pretty predictable outcome maybe, they can, you know, as you were saying, if we can put that, the form of, of good in, in you know, in, before them, that is a far better way. And if they can just, you know, learn these stories. And it's not that, you know, I've had people ask me, how do you, do you have to learn history chronologically? Do you have to march right down the, yeah, the steps? Right. And to me, my, my project, the timeline of classics only came about because I was so clueless about history. I had absolutely no idea when <laughs> when anything took place. You're laughing, but I mean it. <laughs> I mean it. I couldn't tell you. I could not tell you if uh, the Vikings were first, the Romans. I didn't know anything about, you know, any kind of anybody's history. I knew a little bit about right. American, but that was about it. So to me, having a building a framework that I could pin these stories on, like as you're, you know, sharing some of these, like Cortez or whoever, if I, in my mind, if I can picture just by, okay, well, I got one sitting right here. I didn't realize I had one, but there it is. Uh, um, that's it. Oops. I don't know if you can see it. Anyway. This is the last, well, camera. I don't know what my camera's doing, but anyway. No, I um, can't that's see it. it very well. Okay, well, that's it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'll send you. I'll send oh, that's you. your timeline of classics. That's Got it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll send you a new one. That's, th this one was. Yeah, two, uh, that would be great. This one was 2016. Yeah. Okay. And it's got some new stuff in the back <laughs> for teachers. I'll bet. I'll but, bet. Uh, but anyway. For sure, this project really solidified for me um, seeing seeing it through from uh, the times of the ancients, you know, walking all the way through and just plugging in the literature of the ages as it, you know, fell th into history yes. chronologically. Yes. I don't have to know everything. I just know I, I have a resource where I can find it. And I can, if I hear a story, right. I can picture the um, contemporaries who lived at that time, you know, what was going on on the other side of the world at that same time. You know, I can, I can really relate all those things together. So uh, the answer to whether you have to teach history in order, not really, <laughs> not necessarily because right. none of us learned it, you know, really that way. We, we hear stories or we read books, you know, certainly we didn't live chronologically, <laughs> you know, at these times. So um, that was a little well, rabbit. You know, what I, what I tell people, they, they ask me, um, is this, are the Henty novels a history curriculum? Good oh, question. Can you still hear me? Yes. That's a great question. Um, and it, if you, as a technical People's mental understanding of what a history curriculum is, I would have to say no. Can it be a history curriculum? 
Absolutely. And uh, on my site, can I plug something? Absol- please. If you don't, I will. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, my website is very, very, a very creative web address. I'm Jim Hodges and I do audiobooks. So my website is jimhodgesaudiobooks.com. So, you know, I, a lot of market research went into that. Uh, no, I'm kidding, obviously. No, I know. <laughs> um, I have uh, done study guides for every Henty novel that already exists. Wow. Each study guide wow. has an assignment for every chapter. So you could take my Henty recordings. I've done 31 of them. You start with Ancient Egypt. And the most current title on the timeline is the American Civil War. So you can listen to a chapter and then do the assignment. It's got a vocabulary list. It's got comprehension questions. It's got uh, language questions, geography questions. You could turn you could turn the mm-hmm. Henty novels that I've recorded, or if you want your kids to just read them, you could still get the study guide and make them a history curriculum Ab- absolutely you could well, there and you go. <laughs> to your question do you to your question do you have to learn in chronological order my answer is no and the reason i say that is i'm 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 more and more convinced uh at the validity of uh interest driven education mm-hmm. in kids absolutely if you've got if you've got kids that are just they're just gaga over roman soldiers or knights or or uh maidens in distress or the civil war or whatever then you you follow that because in history as their interest in different time periods of history morphs over the years if you've got a timeline on the wall all you have to do is let them draw one picture about the book that they read off mm-hmm. of the timeline of classics or the henty that they listened mm-hmm. to from Jim Hodge's audiobooks and they can that, now you put that on that timeline and as you continue your homeschool education that timeline fills up with information oh, and you begin yes. to see the progress of history i'm a i'm a visual person so um it, it it helps me to see things. I want it printed out so I can read, you know, so that's, for, we always had a timeline in our school room, whether that was the living room or the wherever. Right, you have right. a timeline on the wall and whatever you learn, you'd pay something up there. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm going to pull something if I can reach it <laughs> without unplugging okay, something. Okay. Um, but I'm going to let you talk about another <laughs> question while I pull this resource. But um, All right. I was wondering... Okay, so for um, where was my question? Oh, I had another good one. Um, okay, well you you just answered pretty much part of it, which was oh I know um, I know that you you do Henty, but you do you've got some other stuff on your website. Not only the oh, sure. study guides, but the old time radio shows. Talk about those. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The, the two best ones, the two best old time. I mean, we've got uh, Superman and the Lone Ranger and Sherlock Holmes. We've got some fun stuff there. Uh, but the ones that are 
strictly history related we've got we've got four anyway that are strictly history related one of them is just fascinating in uh, on June 6 1944 a radio station in New York City decided as many of them were doing at that time they were recording their entire broadcast day and this was just a this was a normal course of events they were recording it and then if there were particular things that they wanted to keep they would keep them well this radio station in New York City had been recording and on June 6 1944 around three o'clock in the morning a news flash came over their wires that there were reports by the Germans that mm. some forces had landed at the beaches at Normandy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I knew this was coming. Wow. One of the recordings that we've got on the website that you can buy as a download, <clears throat> I don't even produce it on CD anymore, but you can buy the download, is the complete broadcast day of this one radio station on June 4th, 19, June 6, 1944. 1944. Wow. It is fascinating. Oh. You get to hear Eisenhower reading his, you know, message to the troops. You get to hear uh, Roosevelt. You get to hear, oh gosh, it's just, it's just amazing. As the news reports are coming in, the guy, the, the newscaster actually, you know, he's in his soundproof booth and out there is where all the news is coming in. He finally at one point says, guys, it's coming in too fast. I'm going to leave this quiet studio and I'm going to go out onto the floor. And all of a sudden you hear the door open and the ticker tapes printing all and he's reading stuff as it's coming over the wire. Um, and you get a 24 hour June 6, 1944, live radio broadcast. I don't believe there's any commercial interruptions so you put that on your you put that on your computer on June 6 as you're in your school year or when you're learning about World War II and you just let it play. Mm. You don't stop it. Wow. Because you know what? If you were alive on that day and you left the room, you missed it. You missed it. it. Oh. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> um so that's that's one thing that we've got. Uh another thing we've got is all of the remaining radio broadcasts like news programs and and er entertainment programs on uh, on uh, the Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor Sunday. And mm. I can't, I know it's December 7th. I can't wait, is 7th. it? 7th. December 7th. 7th. Okay, December yeah. 7th. I couldn't remember if it was Coming 7 or up. 9. <laughs> Coming up. Um, so that's another recording that you can get, all of the broadcasts from from that day. And there's the, the two other great, seriously history-related are You Are There U.S. History and You Are There World History. After World War II, wow. CBS put together a weekly hour-long program, half-hour, half-hour, no? Yeah, half-hour program where they recreate history and pretend that radio was available. And so oh. <laughs> at the at the landing of the Mayflower and Christopher Columbus and... Uh, and uh, the the Oklahoma land run and the impeachment of Jackson and all of these historical events, they have reporters on the ground doing the man on the street interviews. And oh my of course, there was, there was no radio, but they pretend that it was. And, and so they're presenting history in this incredibly entertaining way. Um, and those are you know great resources to learn history too. So that's some of the old time radio shows we've got. Oh gosh, well you you definitely have a a wealth of stuff on your website for you know twenty years worth of 
good stuff. Um, Absolutely. I was, was going to show you, this is a, a timeline project that, that my kids made years ago, and I don't even think you can get this book anymore, but it's, and you can't even see it here, it's called Book of Time, and all it, it okay. is, it came as blank pages with the um, time period stamp at the top. I know you okay. Can, I don't okay. know why, yeah. I don't yeah, know why yeah, my yeah. thing is not doing. Anyway, I love this thing because we we have a book that we did the same thing you described, which was put that timeline up, you know, where it's mm -hmm. visible, where anything you're doing, all they have to do is go make a simple illustration, and right. you know, and what a lot of people don't realize is you know the year anno domini you know everything goes backwards <laughs> before yeah, right, the time right, of right. christ and so those dates are all backwards you know in the ancients and all of that and then moving forward after the birth of christ so this you know doing a timeline type thing can can kind of bend your brain a little bit if you go <laughs> back in those ancients yep but I tell yep. you, do it, doing this project with my kids, and again, I know you can't see the pictures, but I literally had some little uh, miniature history book of some sort that it, it was like a pocket version of a book, and I cut it apart. And we glued, we, I tore, I glued the whole thing. That's where all these illustrations come from. So we, we took it apart, glued it, you know, in here. And of course we drew stuff in here as well. Um, I even had a, had an old history book that I had in college, I think. And it was doing nothing but turning yellow on the shelf. So yeah, right, I did, right. I, I did the same thing. I cut I, I literally cut apart two history books and glued in here, but my favorite page, one of my favorite pages is um, 1903. Can you remember what big event happened in late 1903? Was that the Wright Brothers? Oh, yes. <laughs> it was Wright Brothers. And so what I, li what I love about this is on one side of this timeline page, and I apologize, you can't see this, but you've mm. got the picture of the Wright brothers, the Wright flyer that got off the ground in December right. 1903 at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. North Carolina. I am, yes. <laughs> and on the very same page, on the same timeline, on the other end of that decade, we have planes going in the air for World War One. I. I know. I isn't know. that mind-boggling? Isn't that incredible? So this this timeline project got so busy because so much happened in a decade. <laughs> you really you yes. could not you couldn't fit it all in here. But anyway, we had to hit the high points. So that's a another you know wonderful timeline project another way to do it yes just yes, to get that sure. get those ideas and you know get these kids understanding what's going on you know um and you well, know in it in a, in addition to the great books and i'm sorry to sorry to interrupt there gail oh, no, but no, I, was done. I live i live i live in the dc area so it's not highly unusual for us we've done it i don't know four or five times maybe more since we've moved to uh, Annapolis, 
where we will drive to the train station, hop on a train and pop up at the Smithsonian station on the mall in DC. Mm. You go to that air and space museum and mm -hmm. you can see the Wright brothers plane mm -hmm. on, in the air and space museum. And the mm -hmm. docent brought something to my attention that hadn't quite hit me until he said it. So in 1903, the the first you know recorded sustained man powered flight the Wright brothers Kitty Hawk mm -hmm. 1969 we're landing on the moon yes um, in in a normal human being's lifetime mm. an average lifetime we go from a guy laying on this flat thing <laughs> and manually turning the you know and hoping the wind is right and all of this stuff uh, mm. to to landing on the moon in mm. in you know 67 years so yeah. it's it's just insanity it and really so is. Th in addition to great literature take your kids to museums oh heavens <laughs> yes my kid my family yeah. the last time we went down there they threatened to to strap me to a skateboard and put a leash on me because i they were just like come on mom i'm like leave me alone i'm well looking at the you I, know <laughs> i'm looking at this I'm yes looking, i'm looking yeah, at this i'm standing here looking at whatever this, the lunar module whatever or whatever the, it is <laughs> whatever whatever the whatever the museum monica and i do a lot of museums when we travel we love to go to the museums in different places and one of the first things we ask is what do you recommend as a you know a, a good amount of time to expect to spend here Whatever they say, we at least double it. Double. <laughs> Usually triple or quadruple it because I want to see everything. Oh, yeah. I want to see everything. Gotta go I want to read every placard. I wish yeah. I lived close enough to s jump on the train like you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Um, I just want to ask uh, really quickly. Um, I, I know we probably have to close this off shortly. But um, if you had any advice for families that have kids who, who may be intimidated by literature, I know you, you, you know, found your sweet spot there with the G.A. Hinties and, you know, for kids who, who may struggle with the um, vocabulary and, you know, the sentence mm -hmm, structure mm -hmm, and all of that, mm -hmm, because we all know mm -hmm. he would have written in a much more sophisticated language than yes, what people yes, do now absolutely. with texting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. So, how how would you encourage? Honestly, you know, and I, this sounds very self-serving. It's not intended to be. Get the book, and get an unabridged recording of the book, and have your children follow along while it's being read to them because yes sometimes i i would i give talks at homeschool conventions about henty and one of the things that i've done is bringing one of his books with me and finding a particularly long sentence mm -hmm. like an entire paragraph that's one sentence yes and there is a right way to read that so that it actually makes sense and it it, it conveys information or it can be read as a monotone run-on sentence. And if you're not a good reader in your head, then you're not going to you're not going to enjoy this book, you're not going to enjoy this story, you're not going to enjoy this paragraph. 
But if somebody knows what the end meaning of that paragraph is supposed to be and knows how to read it and put the pauses in the right place and emphasize things and put uh, auditory parentheses around a sentence fragment so that you can understand that this is kind of an aside. How long is this sentence that I'm saying? <laughs> but it all it, it makes sense if you mm -hmm. say it correctly, mm -hmm. if you if you put the right pause and emphasis on things. So if you have a book that you think might be a little above your child's ability, say, you know what, I want you to read this, but actually I don't, you don't really need to read it, but I do want you to track mm -hmm. while you're listening mm -hmm. to this person read it to you. Mm -hmm. And that's how, I mean, when you teach a child to speak, you don't tell a three-year-old to, you, you know, you don't read both sides. You don't read a Henty novel to a three-year-old. You, you teach them by, say, by saying, oh, no, it sounds like this. And you, t you teach them simple words and you get more and more and more complex. Well, reading ability works along that same track. You can't, but you're always, you're always challenging. You're always going to the next step. You don't keep talking to a six-year-old like they're a three-year-old. You, you, you have to keep, you keep progressing. So, I, I think, and I recommend this all the time for dyslexics and, you know, reading issues is to get the audio always unabridged and have them follow along in the text. And now I'm reading that a lot of adults are doing that and they're getting a lot more enjoyment out of the books that they want to read by tracking while Absolutely. they're listening to somebody do the audio. Absolutely. Because I've put the, I've already done all of the deciphering. I've done the research. I have pages and pages of words that I look up the pronunciation of so that I'm pronouncing things correctly. Uh, cities and towns and so, and any good narrator is going to do that. And that can be a great help for an intimidating book. Just have them listen while they are following along. Well, you, you brought up a, a good Point, and this is something I, I agree 100%, unabridged, always insist on the unabridged version. Has to be. But yes. Let, but let's tell people what does that mean, because I'm sure there are going to be some oh. listeners going, what does that mean? What is unabridged? <laughs> you know, I've, I've never, I, 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 I'm disappointed that that is the word, that the word un is appended to abridged to mean in the original. Right. <laughs> because un makes it sound like you're undoing something, but you're not. Abridging is the undoing of something. In right. other words, let's say you've got a henty and it's 400 pages long and that means it's gonna be a 13 and a half hour recording and you go, ah, that's too long. Let's cut it down to 10. You cut out what you don't want or you don't think is mandatory for the telling of the story. And what you have done is you have abridged it. That's cutting out. Abridging is cutting out. Unabridged is nothing has been cut out. Mm -hmm. The entire book as it was originally published by the author, that's what unabridged is. When you go to Barnes and Noble and you go to their classics and you pick up War and Peace, they don't say, this is the unabridged War and Peace. They say this is War and Peace. If you go to the kids section, you can get a children's edition, an abridgment of War and Peace, mm -hmm. and that's that's what an abridgment is. And unabridged is not cut. Bridged abridged is 
cut. But I just okay. wish there was a way to say that in the reverse. <laughs> Different. So that, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. That's an excellent explanation. Thank you for that. <laughs> I sure, just figure sure. I just figure there are going to be some people going which what which one is which and you know how do you know Which is the so, one I want? Yeah, which is right. the one I want. I want right. unabridged. Well, Jim, thank you so much for today. I um, am going to have to get going here. I'm sure you have uh wonderful okay. things to do today. Uh, you said you're polishing up another polishing up I a, am. A I have to I've recorded and I've edited and I, there's 21 chapters in both sides of the border and I've gone all the way through um, 17 chapters twice and I had a friend listen to them and pe picked up things that I missed and I still have to go through 18, 19, 20 and 21 <laughs> before I can submit this to the CD shop today so yes i'm going to be listening to myself for at least the next two hours <laughs> oh dear well you know yeah. it's i would i would rather listen to someone else than my own self but you know that's okay we have we do what we have to do right <laughs> this is this is uh it's part of the job comes with part, the territory part of the job well thank you again so much this has been a joy and i um I'm so happy to have this opportunity to just talk with you for a little bit and to share uh, through this podcast thing um, just a, a little bit of what you do and the wonderful work that, you. that you've done for 20, over 20 years now, 20 right? Years. 20 yeah. years. Yeah, that's 20 a good, years. That's and incredible. On, actually, on, on, De on December 6th of this year is the 20th anniversary of the release of... Uh, with Lee in Virginia, the very, very, very first there book I ever go. recorded. So wow, yeah. Well, I yep. can I can say uh, these these are wonderful stuff, good things. I know our friends over at Excellence in Writing, IEW. Yeah, they just celebrated yes. 25 years uh, this week, about two days ago, I think. So really, yeah. Oh, so they're celebrating over there as well. So um, good works. Got to keep going, right? <laughs> Right. That's right. right. That's right. All right. Well, I'm going to sign off for now, and people can find you at jimhodgesaudiobooks.com. Com. Com. <laughs> I got it. I got something wrong the other day. I wanted to make sure that was right. All right. Well, okay. thank you so much. I'm going to um, say goodbye, and I will talk to you soon. Right. Thanks, Gail. Right. It's great talking welcome. to you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to episode 14 of the Timeline of Classics podcast. I hope you've been able to pick up a few tips on how to incorporate meaningful and memorable historical fiction into your schooling day. But more importantly, my guest and I hope to have encouraged you with many ways to make history come alive for you and your students. It's my goal to help you fall in love with literature, connect with history, and be able to teach the good and great books. For show notes from today's episode, please visit TimelineOfClassics.com, the home of Timeline of Classics, historical context for the good and great books. And as always, thanks for listening.